I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic Magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello, and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. It's the Sixers podcast. It's Raheem Palmer and me, Chris Ryan, as we come to you every week to talk about the second place Philadelphia 76ers climbing. What's that in your rearview mirror, Boston Celtics? It's Joel Embiid doing profane celebrations after dunking on the Brooklyn Nets last night. It was rivalry week in the NBA. And the Sixers, I guess, have a rivalry with the Brooklyn Nets because that was a chippy affair. I know that there was like Jock Vaughn, Kevin Durant, some people were like, oh, it's just another game on the schedule, Raheem, but it didn't seem like one. It definitely wasn't just another game. And, you know, I love the the D-Generation X um, throwback celebration. I mean, for everybody who watched WWF back in the day, I mean, that was incredible. Um, and, you know... Like Ben Simmons through like three quarters had like zero points at one point. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like we we did our job. We won the game. It wasn't the prettiest. Like there were some concerns, but I mean, we won the game. So <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's celebrate before we criticize. So the Sixers won one thirty seven, one thirty three. I I gotta say, that was basically like, um, how would I describe it? It was like it, it wasn't a rivalry, but. All right, here's how I described last night's game. It was like if the All-Star game had some rivalry aspects to it because it was basically like open threes, uncontested dunks, but then every once in a while you would see Nick Claxton kind of give somebody an elbow on their way back up the floor, Joel having like long staring contests with Ben Simmons. It was definitely had some tension, but the tension didn't manifest itself in defense by either team. Yeah, I mean... 
I, I consider it like it like I like your analogy. It's like the All Star Game had like, but it was like almost like the last five minutes of the with stakes. Game. Yeah, right. Yeah, like so it was just like you could just tell like this game meant something. But I mean, it was just the it was an incredible offensive performance by both teams. Like, <laughs> I mean, like when you look at what the Nets did. I mean, like, they were just absolutely dominant offensively. I mean, when you go out there and you shoot 53% from three and you still lose and, and then you shoot 64% from the field, like, it's tough to lose a game like that. Um, and it's, it Raheem, a it's lot not of- just tough to lose a game. I will tell you this. Last night, this is from Derek Bodner's Daily Sixers Roundup. But he does an email, uh, a sub stack and an email every day about the Sixers or almost every day about the Sixers. Here's his stat. Last night, the Philadelphia 76ers became the first team all season to win a game when their opponent shot at least 60% from the field. So this is not like, it's not just rare. It never happens. That, that is true. You know, um, I, I think somebody on Athletics said um, it's the first team to win a game in which they allow better than 64% since 1982. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how rare it is. Um, you know, it just speaks to how elite our offense is. I mean, when you go to the line 35 times or 37 times, you make 35 free throws. It's just, I mean, it's tough to beat us. Like, so, I mean, I think there's some encouraging signs about our offense there. Um, you know, last night you asked me um, – is there any evidence of Embiid fading down the stretch? Do you feel like you're seeing that? Like, yeah. Like so let me start with the good. I will. I will say that if you give me this kind of point dispersal uh, from this team, this mm-hmm. offense, where uh, Maxi Harden, Embiid, Harris, and Melton all had at least 19 points or more, I'd say that we we have like a shot at the title. Like that kind of offense and that kind of like from all over the floor, you're getting contributions, including now crucially this maxi adrenaline shot off the bench. That is like he had the most points in the game for the Sixers, but was like still coming and doing his six man routine. Can he win most improved and six man of the year? Like, I don't know. It's in play. (laughs) But if you give me a Melton contribution like that, a maxi contribution like that, solid Embiid and Harden and Harris like point totals and like that's the kind of like offense that the defense has to scheme against they can't they can't they, you can't have 10 dudes out there so to me this is like the defense was atrocious but this is the best version of our offense that I think I've seen under Doc Rivers oh without a doubt I mean I think it's the best or like it's the best version of our offense that we've had like I don't know if it's probably the best offense I've seen from the Sixers ever <laughs> like it, of the Embiid era, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I like I don't even. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a Sixers offense this good. Um, so it's definitely the best of the Embiid era. I mean, it's just there's just so many weapons, there's so many shooters. I mean, you mentioned Maxi eight for 14, 27 points off the bench. I mean, and he's he's playing that super sub. He's almost like Manu Ginobili, almost like OKC James Harden um type role. And then you 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 getting contributions from Melton and just the like Harden to me is the key to this team. Like. The, those step back threes that he made down the stretch were just saved so huge. Yeah, I game. mean, yeah, it's just game saving plays. And you know, if he like to me, we know what we're gonna get from MB. Um, and, and right now, it's pretty clear that Maxi is taking it up to a next level. But I think Harden is truly that X factor to where if he can just give you, you know, seventy five, eighty percent of the old James Harden, um, 
this team is scary because I, like you said, there's no scheme to to stop all of these shooters, uh, a low post threat, and then you know two guys in Hart and and, and Maxi who can you know, hit shots off the dribble and and drive to the rim. There were a couple of factors last night. We're going to get to the Embiid part because I did ask you about his his late game performances. But like I I think what I've noticed anecdotally in watching, seeing them live a couple of times when they were on the West Coast, and then watching you know as many games as obviously as we do, that Embiid often I'll look up at the end of the first quarter, the middle of the second quarter when he when he's out, and I'll be like, oh my god, Embiid has like eighteen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's like he just has these explosions in the first half. And then I kind of get concerned because the fatal flaw in Embiid's game has been, as the season goes on, and then on a micro level, as games go on, is his stamina, right? And it, and when his stamina goes down, does he make mistakes? Does he make turnovers? Does he maybe get frustrated with ref refs or with the defense or whatever is happening? And last night was basically the platonic ideal of what you get. And B dominating, going off, clearly like going full wrestling heel against Simmons for the first three quarters. And then as he seemed to sort of like fade from the game a little bit, Harden steps in, Harden hits two huge threes, Harden throws a three-quarter of the length of the court bounce pass to Harris, who misses the layup but then gets his own rebound and puts it back. Harden was all like just exactly what we needed him to be last night. Like the pure playmaking and also the deadly from outside and then that 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 basically like dagger layup that he had on uh I think it was on Royce O'Neal where he just like put Royce O'Neal on his hip and was like we're going on the rim let's do it that was like old school Harden yeah I mean it, it really was I mean and then like you know the two possessions before that where he hit the step back three I think it opened it opened that up to allow mm-hmm. him to just be able to get to the rim because now you know it's just like all right He's, he's hitting his step-by shot. We got to play up on him, and now I can drive to the rim. And, you know, along with that, I mean, you had, like, I think there was a possession before that. Actually, there's a couple of possessions before that where I, it was actually tied. Um, and MB went to the line. So, I mean, it, it's just, I don't know how you stop this offense. I mean, at least in the regular season right now, you know, when Harden's hitting that, that, that step-back three and, you know, the team is in a penalty. So it's like you can't put your hands on these guys. So, it, I mean, Harton did what he needed to do, and I, it, like, it was very encouraging to see that last night. Did you see anything in you, when you looked around like that suggested that the Embiid eye test stuff about the end of games is matched by his like clutch, clutch performances at all? So the one thing I found interesting is that, you know, I actually looked up, you know, how he's been playing in the fourth quarters, you know, recently. And... Right now, I mean, like for the season, he's actually sixth in fourth quarter scoring, um, hmm. seven point three points per game, fifty percent field goal percentage. But when you look at his month by month, um, I think that's the most interesting thing is that you know in October he averaged six point two points per game. He was kind of low banged up then. November he had that monster month. Um, he played seven games. He averaged ten points per game. Um, and December he averaged six point six. And January, he averaged 6.7. But the one thing that you see in January is that his field goal attempts have actually dropped. Interesting. Uh, yeah. like, And this is the only month where he actually has a negative, um, a negative plus minus in the fourth quarter. In the quarter. fourth. Okay. Yeah. So I think there is some evidence that he's been like 
kind of fading down the stretch. And then obviously, you know, you saw he was a little he was a little banged up last night. I think um, yeah. there was a play where he got fouled and you could just kind of see him, you know, move his arm in like a, a like a, a kind of funny different way. So it was just like I do think he's he's probably been fading a little bit. But I mean, part of that is his injuries. Yeah, so like he was there. There was some talk earlier in the week. It was Joel's on like it. Joel's questionable because of like a foot issue. I find, you know, I think that he has kind of gotten himself to the place where in seasons past, I wondered whether or not he was overdoing it and pushing himself to play in as many games as possible because he was going for the MVP. And while I do think that he is a legitimate MVP candidate, it seems like if Jokic, if Denver finishes at the top of the West, Jokic is going to win the third MVP in a row, which is, un, you know, not unprecedented, but pretty significant and, and, uh, we can have a whole other conversation about Jokic versus Embiid, but I wonder whether or not Embiid is playing a little bit more within himself, you know, so that he has it has more in the tank for the end of the season and for the postseason. My concern is just like, do you get that Harden that you got against Brooklyn every night, every time there's a close game? Is Harden going to be the closer? Is Harden going to be the guy who's orchestrating the offense? I think that. This team just seems to be coming together, man. Like, I think that over the course of the year, I've been frustrated with them aesthetically. I've been frustrated with them effort sometimes. I think sometimes I don't understand the rotations. I don't understand Doc substitutions. I don't understand a lot of stuff about it. And then over the course of this, since the year ticked over and they went on this West Coast trip and have come back and now they've won six in a row, obviously winning changes everything. But doesn't it feel like it's kind of a new team to you? Yeah, it, it does. I mean, particularly on the offensive end of the side. I mean, offensive end of the floor. I, I just feel like offensively, this team is just absolutely rolling. I mean, you look at the last two weeks, they're scoring 122 points per one of possessions. I mean, the only offenses that have been better are, you know, Sacramento, Portland, and believe it or not, the Clippers. But I think the Clippers, have, you know, just there's some noisiness in that sample size. But it's just like, I just think offensively, like, and I, I've said this all year, that this team is going to have to win with their offense because yeah. it's just they, they, they've they always had their struggles in transition, but when you're scoring, it's a lot harder for the other team to score when they're picking the ball up out of the basket all the time. And I just think offensively, they, they found it. Um, and then, you know, Maxi being in his new role coming off the bench, Niang, you know, coming off the bench as well, um, hitting threes, um, Melton. I just think, like you said, it's coming together. I mean, honestly, it feels together offensively. I think it's the other side of the ball where you we kind of have to figure things out. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got 
a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. And the two are related, right? Yeah. So we've talked a lot about Maxi and Harden being really porous defensive backcourt. We've talked about that's one of the reasons why Maxi going to the bench made a lot of sense is it allows us to be a little bit more stout defensively. But you saw last night, Seth Curry goes off, Kyrie goes off, you know, like <laughs> Yuta Wananabe is getting like point of attack, like secondary fast breaks basically, and then like kicking out to the corner. Once we were up by 11 or 13, it felt like the Nets could really do... Like, the Nets were... We were not able to put our foot on the Nets because the Nets were able to get what they wanted in the in the in offense in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter because I just don't know that we have, like, a defensive intensity that can close games out. We clearly have the offense that can close games out. We kept them at, at arm's length for quite a while, and then at the end of the game, it obviously got tight... It, it, I just think that like it would be great if we could figure out like this defensive identity for the postseason. I thought PJ Tucker had a really good game last night. Some people might point out, or many people would point out, Durant did not play, right? So it's not necessarily like the most fair um example. We're not getting like the accurate kind of sense of who's better, Brooklyn or Philly. But in some ways it's 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 funny that we've arrived at this place and these teams are very similar. Like Brooklyn They've gotten better on defense than Jacques Vaughn has taken over, but are obviously an offensive juggernaut. And Philly, they have one of the best defensive players in the league in MB, but I don't think defense is their calling card anymore, even though that used to be sort of the bedrock of these Philly teams since Embiid has been here. Yeah, I mean, like I I, I totally agree with that. I, I I just think I mean, there's there's things that we can hang our hat on that we know won't change. And the biggest thing is the fact that the, the Nets don't have anybody for Joel Embiid. And, right. you know, while we may not have any anybody for um, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, I just think that matchup, that matchup advantage inside, um, that's not going to go away. Um, you know, there's always a lot of talk about how, you know, the free throws go away in the, in the postseason. If we were to play the Nets, that would still be an advantage. Like Joel yeah. Embiid would still go to the line a ton of times. Like it, that's not changing. So also, I, I mean, th- like at this point, give me the odds of like what Ben Simmons is going to do four times in the Wells Fargo Center. Like, yeah, I've like, seen I, this. Like it's just like I don't know that he can. I don't know where his career is at. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this. Like that was that was like the first half of that game was like weirdly cringy. You know, to watch like his performance and his like breaking a two foot, you know, a two foot layup basically again. And getting dunked on and, and, and you know, and be doing the, the celebrations and stuff like that. People are wearing Mr. Softy shirts in the crowd. Like, this guy's career is in such a different place than I thought it was going to be if you had talked to me about that in 2018, 19 or something like that, you know? 
I'm going to be honest with you. If you spoke to me about it last year, I assumed that, you know, he would come back from this injury, you know, and you put him in a place with, you know, a ton of shooting and he would be like, I don't know if you remember, um, I think it was the 2018 Sixers team where Joel, like it was the first year we made the playoffs and Joel, Joel Embiid was, was injured for like the last 10, 15 games and or ben, so. And Ben, it was like Ben and shooters down the stretch. Yeah. Like I thought, yeah. we, I thought I would be seeing that version of Ben and you know, Dude, I'll tell you something like that team, that Philly team was kind of fun. Like that yeah. version of the Philly team was really fun. In an alternate universe, I kind of wanted to see what a team built around Ben Simmons and four shooters would do. And I felt like we would get that here in Brooklyn. Um, but I think Kyrie said something interesting at the, regu- at the start of the regular season. It's give this guy some time. He hasn't played basketball in a year. He's been hurt. So I, I think, you know, maybe going into next season, we'll know what Ben Simmons is. I think this is probably, I mean, his career is in a weird place, but I don't know if this is a good representation of who he's going to be going forward. I agree with you, but like to have a guy of his pedigree, of his past performance, of his salary, not closing games is pretty yeah. wild. You know what I mean? Like it, it and, is, and not closing a game with Durant out. So they, they, they would. I can't remember who the exact closing five was for the Nets, but it was Watanabe, I think Claxton, Kyrie, Seth, and Royce O'Neal, or something like that. Like I, I'm, yeah. Simmons was not was not in the playing much in the fourth quarter. And he had like a big outburst in the third quarter, but seemed to like I Jacques Vaughn, like Steve Nash before him, is obviously like trying to figure out what to do with this dude. Did you see him like do you see the defensive intensity from him? Like last night, did you think that he did I mean he wasn't really matched up on Harden that much, I thought. He was like on Melton for a bunch of the game. Um, I think I actually I pulled the second spectrum stats on this. Um, because I was just interested to see, you know how he actually looked um, defensively. And I think, you know, Simmons had 15 matchups. Harden had, um, you know, three shots. Um, he took three shots. And he had five points. Um, so on it's Simmons. just like, I, yeah, on Simmons. I think yeah. he had an effective field goal percentage of 50%. Um, I, I don't, I just, I don't even see the, the Ben Simmons that we saw in Philly from where he was just like this defensive lockdown stopper. I don't see that anymore. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that could be due to the back problems. A lot of that could be due to the knee problems. Like, I, you, you know, it, it it's a cauldron in there. It, it was funny to read Durant's quote about the rivalry, which was from, like, the day before the game. And the NBA had kind of pitched this whole thing this week of rivalry week. And I thought Memphis Golden State certainly lived up to it. I don't know if you stayed up to watch that. But yeah, Durant kind of, like, tried to tried to play it down and was kind of like there aren't really rivalries between players it's just like fan bases on social media and the media trying to do it but like I think the NBA really needs rivalries we've talked before about like who are the Sixers rivals and the NBA needs Eagles Cowboys you know what I mean the NBA needs Rams Seahawks you know like they need games that matter to like that feel like more than just another scheduled event like they need to feel like like they 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 matter, and it's a strange rivalry with the Nets because part of it is this trade, and part of it is the fact that I think the Sixers have been the pretenders to the Eastern Conference throne for five years, and then the Nets just kind of put together this free agency super team, but then they fell apart. But then the you know like there's a an element of shared destiny in that those two teams, but 
I thought that last night, like, it kind of got my, like, blood going for the rest of the NBA season because it felt more like a playoff game, even if the defense wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, just the, the general shippiness of it. And, you know, Nick Claxton and, and Joel Embiid going back and forth. Like, I like I agree with you. The NBA needs more of that. Um, you need these games to to matter to the players just as much as it matters to the fans. And I think, you know, it's like we got Embiid versus Jokic coming up this weekend. Um, and we don't know if Embiid or Jokic is going to play. Jokic is, I mean, in the Nuggets, they've been on this long road trip. Jokic is yeah, and like I I miss Jokic when he played against the Clippers. He sat because of a wrist, and then he didn't play against Giannis. And it's like, how do you have, you know, the two premier centers in the league? And it's not the big – like, it should be the biggest thing of the week. Yeah, NFL is there's no NFL last night. You know what I mean? Like it's like you guys have the you guys have the spotlight. Like you have to have these marquee matchups. You have to make it feel big. That's why I was yeah. kind of. I mean, even it, the the Golden the Golden State Memphis game. Obviously, Stephen Adams was out, but it was just like that was that was a playoff game, man. Those teams do not like each other. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, like you know, it's just and you could tell the way it mattered for Steph to throw his mouthpiece in the stands because Jordan Poole took a, a bad shot. Like, that's how much it mattered. And, you know, like, John Morant has always said, yo, we're good in the West. And I think, you know, even little statements like that have, you know, it's it's kind of, it's made you pay attention more. It's made those games oh, yeah. against the West matter a lot more. So I just, I think the NBA has to do a better job at just promoting the game. I think a lot of times we prom- we promote the controversy. We promote um, the trades. I think we, you know, our producer Cliff, he sent us a text on Thanksgiving. Um, not, not Thanksgiving, on Christmas. Christmas, why they, yeah. With the- yeah, yeah. why are they telling us about James Hart going to Houston when, he, like, we got a, a good game between the Sixers and the Knicks. So it's just like promote yeah. the game and, and just... Like we need these vi- rivalries; they're they're good for the game. I think it swung. It was like a really cool thing that made the NBA pop, like around ten years ago. Like starting with the decision, obviously. But I remember when I first started really working on the NBA professionally, and this was like such a, like the emergent NBA Twitter thing, and having it be like, oh my god, like that now, like the players are on Twitter. You had the whole like Clippers hostage situation with you know people driving around Houston looking for DeAndre Jordan and. There's like funny elements of it that really made it feel like you were part of it. And then that has kind of swung so far the other way that like there's too much like none of this matters. It's all about tweets and it's all about like reading Instagram comments and trying to see if D'Angelo Russell has unfollowed the Timberwolves. And it's like you guys should watch Timberwolves Pelicans like that's that should be the, the actual thing. Like when they ask Nick Sirianni if Cowboys Eagles matters, can you imagine if he was like it's just another game? Yeah, I mean that, that's that's a crazy thing. I think. You and know, if he was like, and Jalen Hurts isn't gonna play because he because he needs a rest, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously like, it's a different sport, but it's like that's why you guys play. Like you guys should want to. That, that Kevin Durant should want the Sixers Nets to be a rivalry. He he should. I mean, and you know, I think the Pie Father actually hit on something interesting on his latest pod, and he was talking about how you know he wanted to get rid of his um Clippers season of tickets. And oh yeah, because he can never count on Kawhi and Paul George to play. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing he said is the, the, the NBA has, they've probably gone too far into social media because now, you like he said, his sons don't even watch the games. They'll, they'll watch like an 11-minute YouTube clip and they kind of know everything that's, that's happening without watching the game. So people aren't even really watching the games. They're just seeing everything on socials. And, you know, like, unlike the MLB, 
like you know major league baseball they're like vigilant on not allowing their stuff on socials um the nba everything's on social so if you you go on twitter you'll see the big dunk or you'll see the big play without watching the game and i, I just think we got to make the, the game actually matter a lot more yeah i think there's that i think there's also and so like i think the nba there's been this emergence over the last 10 years this is an interesting conversation even though it's not philly specific mm-hmm. where it's like fans who are fans of like the whole league and maybe this is like a bubble thing of like people who are on twitter or people who work at the ringer or whatever but guys who were like yo i'm gonna i'm gonna watch like nine games a week all across the spectrum of the league and and i'm gonna have an opinion about jalen green but i'm also gonna have an opinion about the king's offense and an opinion about the celtics and i'm gonna watch the heat and for most of our lives growing up probably we watch the sixers you know, and we would watch who played the Sixers and then maybe like another game or two per week that was on TNT or ESPN. And then the advent of League Pass and the advent of talking about the NBA in this very specific way has made people like, I think, a little bit more enamored with personal individual performances. So you get something where you're like celebrating Luca at times when Dallas is struggling, you know, yeah. or celebrating LeBron approaching Kareem, even though the Lakers are in. I don't think they're in the play-in, right? They're the third from the bottom of the Western Conference. Now, like, I'm not disrespecting either of those guys by saying, like, in the NFL, for instance, people would just be like, these teams stink. Yeah. You know? (laughs) I mean, even if they had stars, they would still be like, the Packers stink this year. Is that, I mean, is that a product of just, you know, I mean, like, is that just society now? I mean, like, or just look at, like, I mean, AAU, like, or is that a product of, like, AAU basketball? Like, they said, you know, a lot of these guys, they're, like, it's not really organized into team ball. Everybody's kind of just looking for their own accomplishments. Um, well, the reason why I brought it up is because you were saying how Bill was saying that the yeah the social media has made NBA clips too available. Yeah. And I do think that there's a difference. Like, if you're watching a football game, yeah, mm-hmm. you can see, like, a great Devontae Smith catch or an amazing Justin Jefferson catch and be like, whoa! And, and that that's fun but you don't really you can't understand where your favorite football team is or the nfl is unless you watch like a whole game basically like it's it's all a game is a result of this accumulation of plays and there's something that can happen in the end of the first quarter that winds up affecting the end of the game and that doesn't feel that way in basketball it's like first like you can just they they used to be the joke of like you don't really have to watch the nba until the fourth quarter but like you kind of don't You know, like you might miss some plays, but like if it's within 10 or eight, the game starts in the fourth quarter because the way the three pointers work now, like double digit leads can get evaporated. I just think that people are probably more interested in whether or not Luca does X, Y or Z things statistically for their betting, for their fantasy team, for for just for their own entertainment than they are whether Dallas is like two games above 500 or fourth in the West or on a three-game win streak or whatever. I do think that shortening the season would just make it that much more interesting. I think they should shorten the season. I I heard them on the the, the Bill Pod talking about, in you know, levying fines if guys take rests. I just think that you just have a lot of fake injuries. You'd have guys being like lower back st- stiffness. You know, um, but I think that if you if you took 10 games off the season, there would just be a feeling like, yeah, we don't have 10 games to screw around in the beginning of the season. You know, we don't have 10 games to throw away in early January before the trade deadline. Like if we do that, we're going to be out of the playoffs. So 
I think it would I would definitely help. I I I guess I just really want to talk about all this because I wish there were more games like last night Philly Nets, you know, and I wish more the NBA was able to manufacture more stuff like that where the best players were in games that felt like they had consequences. See, I think like I agree with you. I think they should shorten the season, but I've always had this idea for years and I think people think it's extreme, but I actually think the NBA should eliminate playoff seating for determining whole home court. So you keep the seating for matchup oh. purposes, but in order to get home court advantage in NBA playoffs, it's determined by your point differential in head-to-head games. So now if you're playing, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, Every game matters, and yeah. every second of that game matters because, you know, I don't want to go on the road for Game 7 against the Bucks if I'm the Sixers. So it's just like I think there's there's things that the, the league can do to make these games more interesting and, you know, make it so that it's actually punitive if you're going to if you're actually going to rest players. Now, I think you'll have certain elite teams who will say, you know what, we don't mind going on the road, but, I mean – if I look at my model, I have like home court advantage for the NBA playoffs. So like, I mean, it could be four to five points at times. We'll so, go back to what we were just saying. Like, do you think Ben Simmons wants to play in Philly four times in a seven game series? Yeah. So it's just like like little stuff like that. You know, just point differential and head to head games determining your seating, or you know, shortening the schedule, or even like I don't know how feasible this is. Just getting rid of back to backs altogether. Oh, they should definitely. I mean, like, there's. I I just think that like. I can't tell you how many times this season I've been like hyped for a game, tuned in, and then like looked at my phone and like looked at like the last game the team played, and it was like, oh, they they were in Utah last night. This is going to be a, a cakewalk for this other team. Like it, it, you, you really, they have to figure out a way to make this feel like, because now is and now that football is ending in February or you know with the Super Bowl, like this is when the spotlight goes on the NBA, and maybe you and I will be in the playoffs and we won't remember this conversation at all. But I really do think that, like, you get a little bit of a taste in this, like, Disney World version of Rivalry Week, and you're like, why don't we have this all the time? I feel like the NFL, 12 weeks out of 17, has two teams playing against each other that hate one another. It's it's Raven Steelers, it's whatever it is, and fan bases get up for it. It's all they talk about all week. Like, why doesn't the NBA have that eventization of their, of their product anymore? Yeah, I mean... I mean, part of it is just, you know, a lot of these guys, they just don't hate each other. But I, I think they don't have to hate each other. I just want to see them get like, I just want the games to matter. Yeah, it's a, there's a huge difference. I don't need it to be the bad boys or like, you know, Rudy Tomjanovich getting his head knocked off. I just want to see like, yeah, like Draymond, like Draymond's a really good example. Like I, I you know, I have mixed feelings about Draymond, but Draymond played that game last night like it was a Western Conference finals game. Yeah. I, I, I mean that's that's it's it's it's, it's important and it's, it's needed. Um, you know I think the one thing the NBA can do is that I mean the, the we have divisions and none of them matter. Right. Right. <laughs> like I don't know how many people could name like the teams who are in the East in Division. the Atlantic. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It's just like it literally does not matter if you like. There's nothing that matters about winning the Atlantic div- the division. But look at the NFC East. Yeah. It's like right. that's the biggest thing in the world. So it's just like I think, you know, hyping hyping up those matchups a little bit more, you know, like I mean, I obviously there's Sixers fans that hate the Raptors, but that came from a playoff series. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's interesting. I mean 
I think there, there there's a certain point where you're like, well, if basketball could be football, it would be football. And obviously, like they play 17 times in football. It only happens once a week, mostly on Sundays. Like you can organize your entire schedule, your life in some ways around p- watching football on Sundays. Basketball doesn't have that luxury. It's never going to be like everything happens on the same night. Although there was a while there where it felt like Wednesdays were a big deal and they had the Thursday TNT games. And it was, I think it's just problematic if you're just not, if you can't rely on, on, on the biggest stars, like competing on a regular basis, barring major injury. But it's interesting conversation to have off the back of, of a really good Sixers win. Um, Reem, we could wrap it up there. We'll be back next week. And then obviously, you know, birds depending in terms of the the NFC Championship this weekend with uh, Eagles Niners, uh, we'll probably start having a little bit of an uptick in the amount of episodes we're doing as we get into the trade deadline and as we get into the serious part of the NBA season. Does that sound good to you? That sounds good. I, I'm 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 really pumped for this matchup. I hope I hope it like I hope I hope we actually get to see Jokic versus Embiid. Is there anything that you you're looking forward to in that like that you want to see? Um, from that from that matchup, I know you know last year they got the best of us. Um, it's a little disappointing because we actually had a lead in that game. Um, is there anything you want to see in that matchup? And I know we got like a you know. Well, we, I'll tell you one thing is that we 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 better put our defense pants on that day because yeah. I I watched, when I saw the Nuggets the other day I was like these dudes are doing like constant movement off the ball. Everybody's cutting to the hoop. They can shoot like. They, they are like a powerhouse offensive team. So I think that if we show up and play the way we played against the Nets, that we're going to get like 170 points. <laughs> <laughs> as far as Jokic versus Embiid goes, you know what I mean? Like, in some ways, this might be one of like the more significant individual matchup games I can remember. Because like, if Embiid comes out and is kind of like in his feelings and scores 22, but doesn't really like put a stamp on the game you could kind of be like oh I guess Jokic is just like definitively the MVP favorite but if Embiid comes out and scores 35 on Jokic and the Sixers win and he kind of contains Jokic a little bit like I don't know does that change it like I would love to live in a world where it does yeah I mean I would too I mean you're looking at Jokic minus 130 to win the MVP right now and Embiid is plus 850 and he leads the league in scoring yeah, <laughs> like so. I mean, I would love to see you know MB go out there and have just a monster game, and you know, even if he's not going to win the MVP, just flip those odds a little bit. Um, yeah, make it I, interesting. I like, yeah, uh, Raheem, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks to Cliff for producing as always. We'll be back. We'll be talking MB Jokic next week, I'm sure. Uh, until then, everybody uh, have a great weekend and go birds. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. 
Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 